Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and today I have with me the Anthony Pallotta. Anthony, thank you so much for being on our show today. (laughs) Also, thank you for having me here. I'm very um, excited as well. I met Anthony through a mutual connection, a referral of one of our mutual colleagues at Creighton University in Nebraska. And he and I have mutual interest in leadership and emotional intelligence. And when I met Anthony, I told him, I said, listen, if you've ever thought about this, can you please be on my show? Because you have such a unique career path and background. And what I've learned from the majority of my guests is that sometimes it's not the path that you thought that you may have taken when you first started out, right? Yes, definitely. So the question I always start with, with all of our guests, Anthony, is why dentistry? Dentists get asked that their whole career. And I think I have a different answer all the time. But it took me this many years, maybe 40 years in dentistry to finally realize why dentistry. I wasn't, I thought I knew back at 14. Um, and I think um, I finally landed where I thought when I was 14. So um, I was in just leaving my orthodontist and in the back of our blue station wagon, um, my parents asked me, how was your appointment? And I said, great. And they said, you seem to like this. And I said, I do. They're like, you should be a dentist. And I was just like, um, okay, because I really didn't have any idea of who I was or what I wanted and made my parents happy. Um, I thought about it for about a minute. Um, and then we had a Labor Day party and my father announced that I was going to be a dentist. And I realized, oh, I guess I'm going to be a dentist. Um, Rockstar had been probably the main um, career I wanted, but <laughs> dentistry sounded good. And <laughs> I had no idea that I could ever be a rock star. Um, so I like science um, and I love always like just helping people. It's just a good feeling that you have. So it seemed to make sense at 14. Um, and I went to college and at NYU and I was pre-med, pre-dent. Um, and I did play around with some music and this and that. But I realized 
all right, healthcare sounds like a good career. Um, dentistry sounds fun. Um, and I will try that out. So I went to NYU College of Dentistry. Um, I graduated and went into practice where I practiced for 10 years in Manhattan as a dentist. Um, and during that time, I realized that as much as I liked the work and being with the patients, the business part was always not really something I enjoyed. And you'll hear yeah. that a lot from people in healthcare in general, especially in dentistry. Um, I Sometimes I don't think we um, have a realistic vision for a lot of our students about how much the business is an important part of it. And it took me a while through my career to see that the business doesn't have to be business. Um, it can be the business of taking care of people, which also means there's a financial and management part. Um, but often they're separated into two and people feel like they have to do either or. Um, when I've learned now, you could do both and. So I practiced um, and I needed something more. I put one foot into NYU College of Dentistry for half a day as a faculty and realized right away that I loved academia. Um, I loved um, working with students and seeing patients and the whole idea of a clinic and the school. And that half a day turned into two days and finally decided I was going to leave practice and be a dentist in education. And it was really during my time at NYU that I started loving dentistry which is strange. I didn't love it as much when I was practicing, but I loved it so much more when I understood and saw what was behind the education yeah. process of the profession um, and what we give back and the people that came to the clinic at the school um, and people who have needs um, and really needed oral health. So that was really transformative for me. Um, from my 15 years there, I became the dean for students and financial aid and admissions. And I learned a lot about um, more about oral health in a more broad sense. And that fascination uh, got me back to school to become a master's in counseling for students, um, my doctorate in education. And I left NYU after 20 years. Um, from New York, where I'm from, and I still am, to move here to D.C. And the last 10 years, I have been the chief learning officer at the American Dental Education Association, um, where I've learned to work on health policy and research and saw that oral health was much more than just fixing teeth and that the dentistry is only as good as the person who is behind it, who's delivering it, and a person who really knows who they are and how mm. they show up. And it wasn't until that, after working at IDEA and meeting so many different uh, health professionals in different health professions and in dentistry and schools that I saw that we're so focused on fixing the tooth, um, that sometimes we forget about the relationship uh, between us and the person. And got very fascinated in person-centered care. And that really took me full circle to when I was 14. And I realized what I loved about healthcare was 
showing up in a way where you can hold space for people, create a safe place for them to bring something that is really difficult for a lot of us to deal with, which is poor oral health or not taking care of our mouth as much, um, and how much people need to be in a space with someone that they trust um, and is authentic. And that's what I've always wanted to be. And I would say that through so many years at the dental school and in practice and even at IDEA, being our full selves is never always acceptable or do we have time for that? Um, we're so focused on the clinical skills, which of course yeah. are super important, um, but it doesn't have to be clinical skills or who I am and how I show up. It could be that both and. Um, and that really got me thinking that after my 10 years at IDEA um, and sitting down here where you see me now in my man cave, which is also my <laughs> office now, that during COVID, I quit and said, I need to do what I've always wanted to do, which is how do I help improve the patient and uh, dentist relationship? How do we make healthcare, oral healthcare, or practicing dentistry much more fulfilling for the practitioner as much as for the patient. We focus so much on the person seeking our care, um, and sometimes we ignore ourselves, and I think we ignore ourselves a lot. Um, and as healthcare professionals, often we, we like to put ourselves second. Um, it's part of the profession that you know, the person always comes first. But I've learned that we can both be first. And I think COVID really showed how hard we are on ourselves as professionals, um, how vulnerable we hide um, that vulnerability, um, how we don't always appreciate the team that we work on and how important um, everyone on our team is, um, and how showing up as a human being to treat another human being makes practice so much more enjoyable um, that if I knew what I knew now, maybe I would have practiced even longer. Um, but I was just on this road of hours and work and fixing and drilling and yeah. insurance and all that stuff. I just lost myself. Um, and it's taken me my whole career um, where I've worked all through parts of healthcare to finally take a look in the mirror and learn who I am. And what's important to me and get some self-awareness. And my life has been just transformed in the last three years to a point that I now want to give back to the profession and everyone in the profession um, with love and compassion that I didn't have before um, for a number of reasons. I did not fully um, socialize to the profession, um, but I'm there now. And I believe we're at the right time and the right place in history where we're learning that um, relationships are important and they're critical for good health outcomes. And as healthcare professionals and, um, and uh, I was going to say uh, robotics and AI start taking over some of the things that are more technical and clinical, what's going to be even more important is who we are, how we show up, and how we hold space for those who seek our care. Um, and that's my gift. My gift back to a profession that has given me so much over 40 years 
I feel like I'm finally the person I was at 14 in my mind. I'm actually living that person now. And now I'm ready for the profession. And what I really want to give to healthcare is what I'm doing now. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because as you're telling your story and I'm listening to retrospectively, do you think that when you went from that, from when you were practicing dentist in the beginning, and then you went and you fell in love with teaching, do you think subconsciously you were, you were trying to do that? You were trying to make that connection and you were trying to teach the students also how to make that connection with their patients, because that's what you wanted. You went back to almost connect to your roots of what you wanted to do and through the sequence of events that led you to where you were, it, it's like you, it's almost like a self-fulfilled prophecy now where you are on the other side of it and you've transformed into a newer version of what that, that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 14-year-old, I mean, you're, and you're still a rock star, <laughs> so you can be a rock star in your own right and rock stars can be different, but yes. that you you were sort of looking for a place to find and be yourself in through and in through all of the stages that you went through. Do you feel like that could be true? I think it's very true. Um, I didn't recognize it though. You know, you, when you're on the path, you don't recognize that you're on the path, at least when you're younger, um, you're just trying to survive half the time and you're still learning who you are. But I, I made a lot of the right choices that at the time did not sound like the right choices. When I stopped practicing dentistry, um, I got a lot of pushback um, from other colleagues, uh, friends, family. They were all worried and concerned. Um, how would I survive? How could I go back? It was like going backwards to them. Um, it was against all odds. I had student loans, um, which I could not pay off as much. I had to slow that down. I had to change my entire lifestyle. I was living like a fancy Manhattan dentist. Um, and sold almost all my things and moved to the Lower East Side, living in a walk-up on 14th Street and Avenue C. Um, I decided to be in a band, and I sang and wrote songs and performed at CBGB at night um, and did, my den did some dentistry and did my teaching during the day. Um, it, was, it was just, I was following a path, like a, almost like a spiritual path, although I didn't really have that yeah. thought in my, my life. But I had, after doing the practice and not being my full self, um, which we can talk about um, if you'd like, um, I was finally me. Absolutely. And I had to find me to come back to the profession to be the healthcare provider I wanted to be and was afraid to be. I was really afraid to be that person. I was afraid to talk about compassion um, and love and be more self-aware. It, it just wasn't part of what our health profession is, or many of them. They're, uh, you know, like I said, the very um, sort of the old school idea that healthcare professionals could always have to always be right. We have to be autonomous. We're a little authoritarian. Uh, we have to keep things controlled. Uh, we can't show the sweat. Uh, we can't make mistakes. Um, and I don't think that's really helped us very much. I think we really saw the burnout during COVID that we've all been experiencing for decades before, but it was like kind of hidden yes. behind this mask that we're supposed to have. And I meet a lot of healthcare professionals who um, love what they do, but they don't love themselves. 
or they're happy with their work, but they're not happy with their lives. And I wanted both. Um, I, as you mature, you learn, hopefully. And I just saw too many people through my 30s and my 40s who were living like mediocre. Everything was mediocre. Their relationship was fine. Their work was fine. Everything was just fine. And I wanted more than fine. Um, and so, yes, it's it's interesting that I had to go astray to find my way back. It's almost the um, the Wizard of Oz sort of idea that it's right in your own backyard. But you have to be brave to look around and say, how do I make this profession right for me? Because there's so many things to do in dentistry and oral health. Um, and finding yourself opens up all these hidden doors in the profession that all that I don't think are that visible. Um, that easily visible. Oh, the hidden doors. <laughs> well, Anthony, it is an applied. It is an applied science, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Where's the evidence? So, in, in, are you right? And so, I think in all of it, it's you. You learn through these different experiences, and you come to this aha. And I think COVID sort of forced a lot of us to stop and look and say, "Am I happy? What, is this what really what I want? Want?" And so. With you, I, I listened to a, a particular speaker, and he talks about a a marriage where you're you're marrying yourself, your me marriage, and how that's important to have that self love and to come back to the essence of who you are and your giftings. And so you got to learn all this other cool stuff behind the mirror, but it was actually just applied in different ways, and you were you were um, sort of flexing yourself in those directions. And then you came back to the gift that you're originally sought after. And you just made this, um, you made this, it made such a difference and the way that you're applying it and that you're applying it now moving forward. So how does a person, I, I know every experience is so different, but you, you have extensive research and knowledge and, and some of the psychological background and the pedagogy of things. How does a person, if they're, if they're stuck in that position and they say, you know what, I just don't know, I, I'm just okay. I'm just mediocre and that's okay with me. How do they go forward with that, with themselves? Well, that's definitely a challenge because if you, we usually surround ourselves with people who are very similar to us. So we get in these bubbles where this is everyone's life, you know, this is what it's like. And you just kind of do this. Um, you find pleasure where you can, um, and then you retire. Um, so it's, you know, they say that people have to sometimes hit rock bottom um, to get back up. I found that happiness is intentional. It takes intention. It's a decision. And, you know, how do people decide to get there? You know, now that I'm a coach and a consultant, I'm watching everyone coming my way who wants to talk about this. But one thing is for us to talk about it more. It's someone will hear me, like maybe they'll hear um, this podcast. And it just lights something up. They're like, oh my gosh, someone's breaking all the rules. They're talking about the things we don't supposed to be talking about that we're all thinking silently, but we don't always share because we don't want to show weakness in the health professions and showing that maybe you're unhappy. Um, maybe you have some sadness. Um, maybe uh, practice isn't everything you thought it would be all the time. Those are things we hide from each other. Um, and we only share very secretly. Um, but now in my role, I'm people are trusting me 
um, in, as a coach, a consultant, and I'm hearing these stories everywhere. And I'm hearing people say, you know, we don't, I can't talk about this to anyone. We can't show this. Yeah. And it reminded me how much I saw in the students, um, you know, as dean of students at the largest dental school um, in the country, whenever a student wouldn't do well on an exam or, or not pass a practical, they would come to see me and totally embarrassed. Um, they didn't want anyone to know. No one could know that I didn't pass. No one could know that I got a B. Um, there was this already culture that they were feeling just in the school alone that we had to all be A plus. We all had to be um, really smart all the time. And there was no place for them to actually realize that you know, those things don't make you the best person, that everyone was failing. I was seeing everyone's tests. Um, and I would tell students that. Right. I said, oh, you know, I know 40 other students who did worse than you, and they would be shocked. Um, and now I'm working with faculty and deans who are sharing with me, I'm stressed. Um, I feel like I can't carry all this weight on my shoulders alone. Um, I have no one to share that with. This sort of shame that we we carry with us about Again, not being these perfect um, human beings, these perfect healthcare providers. So, think the work that you're doing by having this outlet for me to talk and for me to share my vulnerability a lot more often um, opens up so many avenues. And again, as you mentioned, with COVID and so many people on their knees after COVID, this is what I think I find a lot of schools are looking for right now. Um, they are short-staffed. Faculty are burnt out. The staff that are there are finally um, coming into their own and and letting folks know we're not just invisible uh, people walking around the school. You need us, and the work that we do is super yeah. important. Um, and the Generation Z students who have really been raised on identity and really more self-awareness of who they are, they're coming in saying, "I don't want to be." A phony. I want to be me, um, and I want to know, you know, what I'm getting for my value. Um, and they're telling other faculty, like, no, I don't respect you yet. Till you re let's respect each other. Um, so you have these like faculty realizing they're not up, they're not immediately up here anymore. Um, staff saying, I want to be up here. Students saying, I want to be up here. And it's this moment where um, we all want to be heard. We all want to be seen. And underneath that is we all want to be loved. Um, we want to be able to be our full selves. Um, but a lot of us, we don't have the tools for that. Um, I didn't have the tools for that. I've had to learn those tools um, even over the last few years as I put this new um, path together for myself. But I've learned that you can, if you want to change, you can change. And it takes intention. And it takes a decision. Um, and I am now on that road. I am on that river. Um, and it's it's amazing. It's scary. Um, it hasn't been easy. Um, but you have to think all the other years I spent not being my full self or not really embracing the profession and being the full healthcare provider I really could be. Um, or being a, sort of ashamed of that type of that sort of healthcare provider, like showing some vulnerability. Um, I'm realizing now that's what 
people really want. Yeah. Well, dentistry is like other medical professions, they're trusted professions. And so with that, I think comes with the the picture in each person's mind, what a professional is or does or looks like or acts like or dresses, or there's this bias that exists that it doesn't fit the box anymore with people wanting to be their own identity of what a professional is to them and how they want to care for patients. And so it's a vital role that you're playing, Anthony, to talk about your story, to to talk about how you've applied it, where you are now, because it demonstrates you're not, you're not just telling people to do it, you're living it. And which is so, it's so powerful and it's (laughs) uncomfortable and it, you're, you're not always going to get the approval, but it's authenticity over approval. Right. And that's what we have to lean into. Yes. Uh, To me, authenticity is almost a new evidence in some way. And so I'll give you an example of this. I just came back from a specialist's um, education program um, retreat. So there's a health profession specialty, which I'm not going to name now. Um, and they asked me to come speak about um, having difficult conversations. And so, no, I, I am the last speaker. There's three or four before me. I go into this room. And it looks like I'm back at dental school. You know, it's pretty much all men, all white men with suits on their phones. Someone's talking. They're not paying really attention. They're kind of paying attention. And all the other speakers are about bone surgery and uh, drills and, you know, radiographs and blood. And, and, you know, they're all, everyone's like, yeah, that's what we're used to going to. And then I'm going to come up and talk about feelings. And I am so anxious. I'm like, I don't belong here. Like, they are going to laugh at me. So people are going to get up and walk out. And it reminded me again, like, this image of what we're supposed to be, look, what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to be talking about when healthcare providers get together. And that we don't really talk about compassion or love or our vulnerability. And I'm going to get up there and do that. And I was like, oh, maybe I can just sneak out and, no! and not do, it. <laughs> not no! do it. Like, all this is going through my head. <laughs> of course, I'm going to do it. But, you know, at that moment, I'm like, it's still here. Like, the vibe in the room was still there. And it was still in me. And I'm like, but that's mm. why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, this is the courage I need. Like, this is the yeah. group I need to talk to. This is the room I need to engage. Um, and I need to see them not as that stereotype that they may look like that I'm biased to also uh-huh. seeing and then recreating it. But I had to start seeing them as people um, who, you know, want to hear who when they hear about this, they're going to realize this is who they are. And I just kind of got up there. Um, and I kind of, I open with that, you know, I say, you know, I used to sit and people would talk about the stuff. This is when I took the break. I'm like, I can't make money on this, you know, like, what is this about? Um, and I realized I was missing out on something. Um, and so I want to share with you my story and then let's talk about what this is about. And so I, I, I'm, what I don't want to do is be critical of the last hundred years of our profession. Um, which is very easy to do now um, and say, you know, especially through the lens of DEI that we've learned so much, especially in dentistry. You know, it's mostly, it was mostly men. It's mostly white men, heterosexual white men. Um, that's the profession. 
And not only do they look that way, but that's a certain way of holding yourself up. Again, you know, we're not vulnerable, all that stuff. Um, And when we start talking about being more inclusive and being more self-aware and becoming more self-compassionate, to realize first, to thank everyone in that audience and thank the faculty when I go to the dental schools where the dean is like, could you help me turn these faculty from 50 years ago into what I need now? You know, they're, they're stuck in their ways. They want to do things the way they did. And it's a complaint. And I don't see it as a complaint. I see them as people, as yeah. they did the best they could in the way they, they trained how to do it. This is what our profession was. I am grateful for them. I have love for them. I am one of them. Um, but now I've learned that there's more ways to do things than we did. Um, I think that is the biggest gift of the diversity, equity, and inclusion that we all, not, not everyone is agreeing on what this is all about or who it's for, especially in the health professions, especially in dentistry, which can be more conservative. But that inclusion part, that brings everyone in. Inclusion re- lifts all boats. And when I can start with inclusion, because that's what I'm hearing, these faculty who have taught a certain way and been a certain way, um, they want their voices heard and they want to be part of moving forward. They just need some help. Under- they need help showing that yeah. they don't know everything yet. And they're afraid of the new world, I think. Um, there's more fear under there that comes off like this, like, yeah, 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 yeah. But when you connect to them, you see those arms go down. Um, and when you hold space for them, you could see that vulnerability come out. I do get a lot of people that want to talk to me one-on-one afterwards. Um, and instead of in front of the group and they tell me this stuff uh, or, you know, you're speaking my language and, so I feel like I've made a little movement in our profession. It'll be great when we're like all sitting there crying together. Um, and I'm, you know, I try to explain to them, like, we can love ourselves. We can cry sometimes. We can make mistakes. And we can make a lot of money. We can do all of it. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, you're, you're caring for the patient where they are, not making money. <laughs> like, I mean, you're, you're doing what's right and what's ethical, but you can be yourself and do that. And I, I think that if you are more yourself, then it's going to be more of a trust transfer from you to the patient because they get to know you. They get to, they, they feel like they don't, they're not just a uh, number two DO and, and sitting down in the chair that you're connecting with them because it's like, that's what life is about is about connection. And many dentists who, and, and offices that I work with, they say, I I'm tired of my, of not knowing my patient's names. I'm ready to slow down. And so that's where that connection and importance. And that's what they're really saying by saying that is that I want, I I need that human connection. Help me find it. Yes. Yeah. I think we all want more of that. And what's interesting, it it was again, right in front of us. If you, if you really are paying attention to um, the person that's at the desk, to your hygienist, to the assistant, um, they have been building relationships. They've been more relationship oriented. And in so many ways, we sort of subject, subjugated that to them. Like, well, you, you know, you get to know them and talk. And it, again, it's like another whole conversation about sexism and healthcare. Um, but, you know, it was right there. I like, why isn't the person perform, 
divine the care also part of that circle um why did we why did we leave that for other people and no mm. we're just the surgeons yeah. um and again, again, you know, it goes back to time. It goes back to money. Like I get all that stuff, um, but we're never going to break out of it um, until we do, I think, some of the self-work um, on ourselves. And somehow time just expands. Um, I can never explain it, but when you show up and you really do feel um, curious and open um, and who you really are, um, and you work and you do your dentistry, um, somehow you get everything done in the same amount of time, except when it's done, you don't feel like you have to like go stretch your, stretch your neck and you know grab a quick smoke or get your phone or whatever it is you need to reduce the stress. It's like you're, you're managing it as you're moving along because you're, you're working um, and um, symbolically with everyone else. Yeah, and it becomes easy. You know, you're you're not working against; you're working with your human nature of who you are instead of fighting against it, as well. This is so interesting, Anthony. I I mean, I'm going to have you back for another segment when you have time because I, I want to go into some of the topics <laughs> that you speak about. I know that you consult and tell tell our viewers and our listeners a little bit about what you help businesses and organizations and individuals do? Yeah, well, I am working with healthcare education programs. So I started with dentistry, um, and now I'm working with vets, optometry, nursing, you name it, all the healthcare profession, but mostly in education. Um, and what I'm helping them with is how do we build something called institutional well-being? How do we create well-being for everyone in the building? Um, everyone that's working together. And what does well-being mean? You know, it starts with helping people become more self-aware of how they're showing up because you can only change yourself. So all the complaints that I might hear from folks um, when they're done letting me know what all their problems are, why they need me, um, I will then ask them, so how are you contributing to the problem? Um, it gets very quiet. Um, but the truth is that usually the leader or the people that, that are calling me in don't see how they're contributing to that. So my work is how do we bring compassion to ourselves first? And then how do we learn how to listen, how to communicate with um, respect, um, how to hold space for people, how to have challenging conversations that are actually fun? Um, how do we restore relationships um, instead of be punitive? In other words, how do we build in compassion and well-being in our policies, our procedures, how we show up, how do we do we treat each other. So it becomes part of the culture so that we socialize our students and then they're delivering that to the people that seek our care. Yeah. So it's trying to connect the dots from the individual right down to that person seeking care. So a very subtle way of trying to transform our profession into one where we don't have to be stressed out all the time. Um, and actually um, have a great time practicing. Absolutely, for years. And because if you enjoy what you're doing, what never work a day in your life. And at that connection, I think, just makes it um, makes it easy because you're, not that we, there are certain days that are harder than others with anything that we do, but it makes it enjoyable. It, it You connect within yourself to inside of yourself, like you said, self-connection. And then that sense of self can connect outwardly with others. So what important work, and you are an example of whatever you want, 
go get it, get after it and seek it because you're, you've been setting it up in the background, I think for a long time, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time to get here and I want to help people get there quicker. Well, <laughs> You'll have to wait <laughs> but, forty years. But sometimes, to wake if you up. do, then um, then it, then it is, you know. But I think the important thing is that you didn't just yes. learn it and keep it to yourself. <laughs> You're creating that ripple effect for others because that's that's what this that's what this whole life is about is that legacy that you're leaving behind at that life of significance i take that as a compliment too so thank you that's a nice thing oh you <laughs> you should, you totally should um i am it's an honor to be with you and for anyone who wants to reach out to anthony for what he is doing with um his services and <laughs> uh, what he does to help if you're identifying with what he's is saying and say, I need more of that in my life or my group or my organization, his contact information is in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I <laughs> just could feel you from here with the frequency that we share. So and thank you. I'm so grateful thank you so much. Um, to be here today to share some of my story. Um, and so appreciative that just how you and I met. It was just sort of on that same wavelength. Um, we just were connected. So this is a good thing. And it's a good thing for everyone who's listening in today. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, everyone, uh, thank you so much for listening and viewing. You know, I always ask you please to go and rate the show five stars on Apple because Apple's what matters with all the ratings. And then go on over to YouTube to like, share, subscribe, and to share the love with your friends as well. Thank you for all that you're doing, each of you, to care for our communities, for the health of so many people, and sending everybody love. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.